sharing with you guys for this summer to say something. So y'all ready? Y'all ready? Um, we, are, um, we are privileged to have Tim, uh, and let me tell you why. And I can tell you this because I got an uncle that does music, and I got a cousin that does music. Um, and uh, there aren't a lot of guys that can, that can do what, what we do music-wise um, and lead the style that we lead in and be able to have orchestra and praise band and um, choir um, and all of that stuff. Uh, because I don't know if you realize it or not about our worship, but we do a little bit of everything. You understand what I'm saying? Right? And, and that's great because that's who we are. Uh, but there's not many guys you can find out there that can do that. All right? So I just want to shout out Tim. He didn't ask me for that. I'm just letting you know. Um, from being in churches that ran 75 to being in churches that ran 1,700 that I've served in, there's not a lot of guys that can do both. They either end up going all one way or all the other. And so, Tim, I appreciate your ability to do both. So, <laughs> I, I didn't ask for that either, but thank you. So, moving on. All righty. Moving on. Here we go. Um, we're going to talk tonight about the fact that uh, Jesus is not only the son of man, uh, he's not only the son of David, but ultimately that points us to the fact that he's the son of God. And um, we, we spoke the last two weeks about the fact that Jesus is the son of David. Um, and uh, in, in that title, uh, there's uh, significance to his humanity and, and the fact that people were looking for an earthly king and, and a conquering king. Um, but there is then significance uh, even in that title of son of David and the fact that he was the only son of David that could be righteous or that was righteous. Uh, he was the only son of David that could not only be king but could also be priest. And so in that we also see his deity and the divine nature of who he is. In the son of man, uh, the same holds true. While in the son of man we see the humanity of Jesus uh, we also see his divine nature and his deity. As so many times the Son of Man was referencing prophets of the Old Testament uh, and it was referencing their humanity, yet when Jesus used that title that he used so often, he was referencing what Daniel shared with us about the Son of Man that was to come. And so once again, as we talk about tonight Jesus and this idea of finding Jesus and we look at the title of the Son of God, uh, I want to uh, share with you tonight the fact that this too tonight will show us the fact uh, of Jesus' humanity and who he was, but yet also uh, his deity. Because you can't lose sight of the fact that at the end of the day, Jesus was fully God, but yet he was also fully human. And all three of these titles share that with us. The place we're going to start tonight, though, reading uh, is in Matthew. Uh, we have read this before, but I want to go back and read it again. And um, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter uh, 27, verse 54, is where we're going to start tonight. And uh, I'm going to read that passage there, and then we'll pray and we'll get into the text. This is uh, after Jesus has been on the cross, uh, and it says there uh, in verse 50 of Matthew chapter 27. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying... 
truly this was the Son of God. Let's pray tonight. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the truth that we see revealed uh, through the lips of the centurion and his friends that were there with him. Lord, as they feared you and as they recognized who you were through your death on the cross. Lord, I ask you tonight that as we look at this passage or these multiple passages of Scripture and multiple verses, Lord, that you help us to recognize and realize who you are. Lord, not only as we've seen the last two weeks as the Son of David and the Son of Man, but who you are as the Son of God. Lord, help us to not miss any of that. Help us understand the, the, the full spectrum of what that means. And then, Lord, help us, once we realize who you are, to tell others about you. Because you're so important and you're so worthy uh, to be declared uh, who you are to others. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. So, what does it mean to be the Son of God? That's a great question you ask. Here you, you see the centurion who sees all the events that had taken place leading up to Jesus' death. We covered some of those the last two weeks and how they had pointed back to prophecies referencing the Son of David and the Son of Man. And now he's seen all these just crazy things take place leading up to Jesus' death. He's seen Jesus die. And all of a sudden, it comes to the realization in his life, something in his heart sparks, something in his mind sparks, and ultimately he comes to the conclusion right there in that moment in time that truly what Jesus said was the truth. He, he wasn't, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, a liar. He wasn't a lunatic, but he was ultimately Lord. He was ultimately who he said he was, and that was the Son of God. Now, Jesus said he was the Son of God. Remember we talked about the fact that if you look back um, at, uh, at his encounter with the high priest, the high priest asked him, are you the Son of God? And what did he respond with? He responded with basically, paraphrasing, we'll look at it specifically in a minute, yeah, you said it. You said it, not me. Uh, but at the end of the day, you've got to make a decision, and I've got to make a decision uh, each and every moment of our lives. Who is Jesus, and is he who he says he is? Because, see, if he's not the Son of God, then none of that other stuff really matters. If he's not who he says he is, then we can't trust anything that he says. If he's not who he says he is, then we can't trust any of the Scripture. But I believe that he is who he says he is, and because of that, God's word from cover to cover is true, because what it does is it tells one large, giant story pointing us directly to who Jesus is. And we're going to see tonight what, first of all, it means to be the Son of God. First of all, we need to understand tonight that for Jesus to be the Son of God, what that means to us is that He is fully human. In Luke chapter 3, verse 38, uh, we read about the lineage of Jesus. We read it in a, a chunk of Luke chapter 3. And we read about his lineage. And something gets told to us in Luke chapter 3, verse 38. And that is, is that he is the son of Adam and that he is the son of God. That he is the son of Adam and that he is the son of God. So when we see that Jesus is the son of God, we can't lose sight of the fact that he wasn't a spirit. He wasn't some sort of mystical creature or being. He was human. He was God in the flesh. He was physical. He could feel. He suffered the same things that you and I do. He faced the same temptations that you and I faced. He lived this life, walked the same earth that you and I walk. He was fully human. How do we know that he was fully human? Well, we're told that he was the son of Adam. And by being the son of Adam, we know that he was human, but also by being the son of Adam and then comma, the son of God, as verse 38 of Luke chapter 3 tells us, we can also go back to this idea and this understanding that who was it that created Adam? It was God, right? 
We're getting there. Yes, it was. Just hold that thought, right? Yes, it was, it was God that created Adam, right? Uh, who was it that breathed life into Adam? It was God that created Adam. Who was it that formed Adam from the dust of the ground? It was God that formed Adam. Now, I want to make sure that we understand something very clearly tonight. And I'm stopping and getting slower for just a minute so we understand this. God did not create Jesus. You got that? Does that make sense? God did not create Jesus. And John chapter 1 verse 1 tells us that. However, we can understand that because Luke makes it a point to share with us that Jesus was a son of Adam, we can understand that what Luke was sharing with us was the humanity of Jesus. Does that make sense? The humanity of Jesus. So, Jesus as the Son of God is human. He is the Son of Adam. Jesus as the Son of God is also an Israelite. And that means that he is one of the covenant people of God. If you go back to Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, Exodus chapter 4, verse 22, you find that Moses is being told by the Lord these words. He says, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. My firstborn, right? So in other words, when we read about the genealogy of Jesus in Luke, we read about it in Matthew a couple weeks ago. When we're reading about it in Luke chapter 3, we're reminded of his humanity uh, and, and the fact that you can trace his lineage all the way back to Adam, whom God created. But then we find out also in Exodus, when you go back to the beginning of the Bible, uh, you find out that there, uh, if, you, if you compare that with the lineage of Jesus, that Jesus is an Israelite, thus even under those terms, he would have been considered a son of God. Does that make sense? All right, you got that? All right, so Jesus, lineage of Adam, humanity, a son of God. Jesus, lineage of the Israelites, a son of God. Jesus, or God called them to Moses, his sons, right? He was part of the covenant people of God. The third thing that it means to be the son of God is that it means that Jesus was of the lineage of David and he was of the Davidic and he was the Davidic king. Now, I don't want to take uh, uh, too much time on this because we talked about it a whole lot over the last couple of weeks. But in 2 Samuel chapter 7, we're told this. This is uh, God's covenant with David and it says this. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. So there we're told of a promise, and it's, and it's uh, uh, even more so made uh, true in Psalm chapter 2, verse 7, that the sons of David were going to be viewed as the sons of God. You got that? And so when we see that Jesus references himself as the son of God when he is responding to the high priest, uh, the high priest would have recognized because he was supposed to know the word, wasn't he? He was supposed to know the scripture, wasn't he? I mean, he was the high priest. And so he would have recognized the fact that this was not only a statement of his humanity and not only a statement of the covenant nature of the Israelites, but even a statement of the fact that he was of the lineage of David. At least he should have recognized that. And so therefore he had the title, the son of God. However, none of those titles make Jesus ultimately who Jesus is. Now you said, but hold on, we talked about him being the son of David. You're right. 
However, all three of those titles I just gave you were human titles based with human lineage, were they not? There's something different. And by the way, all three of those titles would point you eventually to the Messiah. All right? But there is something different that separates Jesus from all the others that could have claimed title of Son of God through the lineage of David, through the lineage of the Israelites, or just through humanity in general. And that is what we find in John chapter 1, verse 14, and John chapter 3, verse 16. And that is that Jesus is the unique, the one and only, begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We know John 3, 16, right? We could all say it together, couldn't we? Y'all want to say it together? Let's go for it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, right? The only what? Begotten son. Well, let's read that in reference to John chapter 1 verse 14. It gets better. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. Notice it says begotten of the Father, not begotten from the Father, which is going to make a lot of sense when we look at Hebrews chapter 1 verse 13 in just a minute, okay? Uh, Or verse 3 in just a minute. But ultimately, there is something unique about Jesus. His uniqueness is what we find in His deity. His uniqueness is what we find in His divine nature. The fact that He is the only begotten Son of God. Jesus, therefore, is in a category all by Himself. Luke, in chapter 1, verse 32 and verse 35, records to us what the angel is saying to Mary before Jesus' birth. And he uses phrases like son of the most high, son of God in verse 35. By the way, I want to take just a second here because this is going to transition us to the next part of tonight and and, and make this statement. You know, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, right? every creature and being in heaven and on earth, isn't it fitting that one of the first places we see the declaration of Jesus as Son of God is by a heavenly figure in the angel Gabriel? Isn't it? By the way, isn't it also fitting in just a minute we're going to talk about the testimonies that share with us from Scripture that Jesus is the Son of God? Not only do we see the declaration of a heavenly being, but then when you turn to John and you read verse 1 verse of chapter 1, you see a human being, an earthly being, declaring who Jesus is. It's a little snippet of what's to come, isn't it? See, Jesus, as the Son of God, I want to share with you today, is not just the Son of God, But Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus is God. I know that because John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. For anybody that says, well, I don't know what the Word means. Well, that's okay. That's why we read verse 14 first. We did that backwards, didn't we? Because verse 14 says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Right? 
Anybody that's out there that wants to say Jesus never proclaimed that he was God, first thing you can start is what we talked about last week when the, uh, the, the religious leaders of the day said, who can forgive sins but God? And Jesus once again basically looked at them and said, you said it, not me, right? And then pointed to the fact that he was the son of man. Um, here we find that Jesus declares openly that he is the son of God uh, in Matthew when he's talking to the high priest. And so if he declares that openly, and then you read it in context of the entire scripture, you can't help but recognize in John that what Jesus is declaring is that he is God. By the way, um, and uh, I stole this from someone in the 4 o'clock service that will remain nameless. I didn't ask his permission, so I'm just going to tell you all what he said, but it was brilliant as I was walking out. Um, he, uh, he, uh, he told me, he said, uh, he said, you know, he said, when Jesus was praying for us, he pretty much confirmed that him and God were one as well, didn't he? Right? When he prays that his disciple, that we would be as one with God as he is, right? So Jesus declared that he was God. And just in his declaration of the son of God, he declared that he was God when you read it in context of everything else. And then when you turn over to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it begins to make a whole lot of sense. Because in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, we're told this about Jesus and who he was. In verse 2, it says, In these last days, spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. This is talking about Jesus, that Jesus is God's Son, through whom he also made the worlds. That reminds us that Jesus was around back when the worlds were made. Back to what you said about uh, who made Adam? Jesus, right? Yes, he is the creator. And then look what it says in verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Jesus is the express image and the brightness of the glory of God. He is God in the flesh. That's who Jesus is. So when we say, what does it mean to be the Son of God? We can answer with, it means that He is God. He is God. He is God. So then, that's a big claim, isn't it? So you got to ask yourself the question, then how in the world do we know that Jesus is who he says he is? How do we know that Jesus is God? How do we know that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, I want to share with you today five different testimonies from Scripture that share with us that Jesus is the Son of God. One of these we already saw in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, and that is of Gabriel. When Gabriel looks in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, and shares with Mary these words. He says in verse 32... He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father. And then he says in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the son of God. At the announcement of Jesus' birth, it is made clear by the angel that he is the son of God. Not only do we see the testimony of the angels, but we also see the testimony of his contemporaries. We've already read John chapter 1 verse 1 and John chapter 1 verse 14. And we see that John, the beloved disciple, the one that would have known him as well as anybody else, the one that was in his inner circle, the one that he looked at and said, take care of your mother, that John, that John, the one that was blessed enough to be given the vision that we know as the book of Revelation, that John knew that Jesus was who he said he was. 
he was. One of his closest companions knew that Jesus was the Son of God. But not only that, John, but John the Baptist knew that Jesus was the Son of God. In John chapter 1, we also read about John the Baptist's account. And uh, we read that it says in verse 29, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is of whom he sa- or I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained be- up upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. John the Baptist was able to testify and give testimony to the fact that Jesus was who he claimed he was. So we see not only the testimony of the angels, but also the testimony of his contemporaries. And then, as we're reading about the story of his baptism, we see the testimony of his father. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, we read of what God said from heaven to earth when Jesus was baptized. I love this account because when you compare Matthew chapter uh, 3 to what we just read in John chapter 1, you really get this cool picture of, 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 of how this event took place through the eyes of John the Baptist, don't you? Because in John, we're hearing John the Baptist testify to the fact of, guess what, guys? I can promise you that Jesus is the Son of God. And then in Matthew, it's made real clear why he could testify to that. Because in Matthew chapter 17, we're told that after John baptizes Jesus, um, first he argues with Jesus about baptizing him, and Jesus says, you got to baptize me so we can fulfill all righteousness. And then it says that Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were open to him. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And then in verse 17, And suddenly a voice came from heaven. That's the voice of God. Saying, This is my beloved Son in whom, am I, in whom I am well pleased. God said, This is my Son. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, we read the same exact event. When Jesus takes his inner circle up to the mountain. And there, the the transfiguration happens, right? And Peter opens mouth, inserts foot, and says, Hey, let's make tabernacles to everybody. And God steps in and goes, Whoa, whoa, whoa. It says, while Peter was still talking. I love that. God's like, Peter, hush. I got this. You don't know what you're talking about. And God says, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. But he says the same thing. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, wow, what an awesome, crazy situation to be one of those guys or to be John the Baptist, right? I mean, we're searching all the time for, like, God, speak to us. God, show us what to do. God, direct me. God, lead my path. God, where do I need to go? God, what decision do I need to make? I mean, these guys, like, heard God speak from heaven and say, hey, this Jesus is who he says he is. He's my son. Listen to him. He actually says that on the Mount of Transfiguration. Hear him. Right? Listen. I mean, that is, wow. That's a life-changing event, isn't it? But you know, something stuck out to me. Can I chase a rabbit for like two seconds? 
has nothing to do really with, with what the topic is tonight, but I just want to make this real applicable to all of us for just a second. So many times we're searching and seeking out to hear God's voice, and I'm not saying he's going to speak in some deep or like loud, audible voice to you. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this, is what you find, especially in the story of John the Baptist and the story of, of Jesus' baptism, and what you find throughout Scripture um, is that uh, many times, now I know that there are times where, where God calls out and gets, people atten- gets people's attention, but you know what you find always goes hand in hand with those stories throughout Scripture? Whether it's before they hear His voice or right after they hear His voice, it's an attitude of obedience. There, there's, there's action that's involved. Sometimes, I, Tommyology for just a second, our teenagers know that doesn't really get you anything. If it sounds good and sticks, go with it, okay? Got it? I think this will stick. That's dangerous. My dad would shoot me for saying that right now. <laughs> Sometimes what happens is this, is we get to seeking, we think, after hearing God's voice, and there's this thing called sin and disobedience. Well, maybe that's not Tommyology, that's just sound theology, isn't it? That prevents us from hearing from him. We'll get back on topic now. Like, this is going to protect me from y'all. <laughs> How do we know that Jesus is the Son of God? The testimony of the angels, the testimony of his contemporaries, the testimony of the Father. I mean, what else do you need? God said it, right? It was. But then even the testimony of himself. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 63 and 64, we talked about this story over the last couple weeks and the fact that at the end of the day, The high priest asked Jesus, are you the son of God? And he says these words. He says, it is as you said. That's what the New King James tells us. It is as you said. I like that translation for that verse in particular. But you know, an angel appearing to a lady. What if Mary made it up? His contemporaries, I mean, they were really close to him. The father, John the Baptist, said it. Those three guys in his inner circle said it. I mean, I've never heard God's voice audibly from heaven. Maybe that's hard to believe. Just hold tight. Y'all don't have to run me out yet. Jesus, Jesus claimed, well, I mean, I could claim anything. Well, you're right, you could. So there's got to be a conclusion that's made. Are these guys lying or are these guys telling the truth? That's what you've got to decide. And that takes me back to where we started tonight. That takes me back to Matthew chapter 27, verse 54. And I want to read it again. Because there was a man who was charged with guarding Jesus... And he saw the earthquake and the things that had happened. And they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. He had no reason to believe, except for what he saw with his own eyes, 
and what he heard with his own ears. He saw the suffering that Jesus went through. He likely saw the trial that Jesus faced. He heard the words that Jesus said on the cross that pointed him back to the prophecies of the Old Testament. We're not told what this guy knew about the Old Testament or not. But what we are told is just by the cataclysmic events that took place there with the earthquake and the ripping of the temple veil and all that other stuff that took place while Jesus was on the cross. He came to the conclusion, truly, this is the Son of God. So what do we do with that tonight? Well, I'll tell you there's three things. Number one, you've got to decide. Is Jesus who he said he is? If you're here tonight and you've never decided that Jesus was who he said he was, I don't know what else anybody can do to explain to you that Jesus was who he said he was. Number two, if you know Christ as your Lord and Savior because you've accepted the fact that Jesus is who he says he is and was who he said he was, and you've given your life to him and you've trusted everything with him as far as your eternity goes, and I've got a question. If I trust that Jesus is the Son of God, then can't I trust him with every nook and cranny and dark place in my life? I can. So will you turn that over to him? And then third, and i got to do this fast because we're going to go eat ice cream in just a second. I, I want you to hear me, and I want you to hear me very clearly tonight. Guys, listen. We just read about five testimonies where people proclaimed that Jesus was the Son of God. And we stated the fact that we know that at the end of the day, listen, when all is said and done, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is who He said He is. He is Lord. So why don't... That was disgusting. Why don't we get on board and do the exact same thing? Why don't we begin to declare who he is? Why don't we? Now, we'll declare when we know somebody special, won't we? Like if we meet somebody famous, we tell folks about it half the time, don't we? More like all the time, right? We'll drop a name in a heartbeat. You know how I know that? Because I did it to a bunch of eight-year-olds the other day. I showed up at Brady's baseball practice the other day, and uh, I walked out there, and I said, hey, guys, did y'all see what happened with Hunter Strickland and Bryce Harper the other night? Who in here knows what I'm talking about? Because if, okay, thank goodness, it won't fall like a complete dud. All right, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Bryce Harper is one of the greatest hitters in major leagues right now. There's a lot of people that feel that way about him, okay? Hunter Strickland's probably one of them. He hit him with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball right in the hip because he hit two home runs off of him in the playoffs a couple years ago and kind of showboated on the last one. It was a couple years ago, though. Now, check this out. They got in a brawl after he hit him in the hip. So I said, guys, do y'all know who that is? And every single one of those eight-year-old baseball players like, yeah, we know who that is. Yeah, yeah, we know, yeah, yeah. I said, I coached him when he was a sophomore in high school, and I did for three months of his life. <laughs> he only threw like 86, 87 back then, not 98. He never hit me in the hip, thank goodness. But I name dropped with eight-year-olds. I was an assistant coach at Pike County for one semester because I graduated in January and needed a job and drove an hour one way to have a job, and I got to coach Hunter for one year. 
And I name drop with eight-year-olds. If we'll do that with eight-year-olds, why don't we do it with Jesus? Jesus is the son of God. Not a kid that throws 98 miles an hour and is just from Zebulon, Georgia. So why don't we share who he is? If you believe that's who he is, and you now know, because, and you probably already knew, what that means, then shouldn't we tell it to everybody that we come in contact with? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for tonight and the opportunity to share. And Lord, I ask you that you'll help us to recognize and see that you are the son of David, that you are the son of man, and that you are the son of God. And ultimately, that means that you as God, as part of the Holy Trinity, came to this earth, gave up your throne in heaven for that period of time, and you came here and you lived a sinless, perfect life, but yet suffered like a criminal on a cruel, awful, terrible cross. But Lord, it didn't stop there because three days later, you rose from the grave. Because of that, we can trust that you are who you say you are. And because of all that, Lord, we can trust you with all of our life. So if there's a person in this place tonight that's never trusted you with their whole life, I ask you that right now, in these next moments as I'm praying, that they'll call out to you right within their own heart, and they'll say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I want to trust in you. Lord, I believe that you are who you say you are, and Lord, I want you to control my life. And for those of us that are in this place that know you as Savior, that have trusted you to be the Son of God, the Son of David, and the Son of Man, the one who was prophesied about from the very beginning of time, the one that the entire scripture from cover to cover points to, Lord, help us tonight to truly trust you in all areas of our life, to turn them all over to you, and help us tonight, Lord, to share you more than we'd share anybody famous that we may know. Because ultimately, you are the most famous one. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Real quick, Brother John's going to come up here and share something about Indian Town. And then after not that, we're going to eat some ice cream. All right. Uh